Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me tonight, we have Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Good evening, everyone. We also are joined by our elite irregular panelist, Bruce Garrick. Hello, gamers. And tonight we are discussing a topic chosen by you. Uh, Snapshot Games Chaos Reborn from XCOM creator Julian Gollup uh, narrowly won a, 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 a hotly contested uh, voting battle uh, between it and Galsiv 3. And uh, our backers uh, chose, they chose Chaos Reborn for our, for our next uh, show topic. So we're going to be talking about this uh, rather odd little... A wizard turn ba- wizard combat turn based tactical game, and uh, you know, Bruce, let's let's start with you. Uh, what's what do you make of this game at, at first glance? Gosh, I don't know what to. I didn't know what to make of it except I knew it was Julian Gollop, so I was like, well, this has got to be good, and I was right. Um, but uh, gosh, it's so interesting um, how games that have this sort of lineage. Uh, you know, Julian Gollop is obviously. The creator of XCOM, for those who don't know, I'm sure all of our, most of our listeners do. Um, but then he also created the game, this game Chaos, uh, a long time ago. Gosh, when did it come out? Chaos was. I, I should have I should have had this before I before I opened my mouth. But in any case, uh, he also did Laser Squad, uh, Laser Squad Nemesis. Julian Gollop is kind of the. Um, I feel like he's the godfather of of single. Uh, single man tactical turn-based uh showdowns and uh and this is the perfect kind of game that i would expect to uh you know be born from a board game which is what he actually did he this apparently and i this is from not talking to julian but listening to another podcast uh, that was done by our colleague tom chick and uh julian uh mentioned that he actually had played this game as a board game with his uh with his siblings and that was the uh the genesis of the cards and the sort of the you know the 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 gameplay the mechanics it's just like a board game and it's it the reason it's so strange to me to see something like this uh come out on steam is that it's so rare now i think i think this game would have been um much more understandable to for a for a player in uh you know maybe 2005 or 2000 or 1995 and the fact that it can, the fact that it can come out and be available to a wide audience on a platform like steam right now is just i mean i'm just delighted that it is because i love it yeah i mean the, the original chaos came out in the mid 80s and it's was bigger in the uk than it was here in the u.s I mean, he's a british uh designer it came out in the spectrum There's, yeah i never played it uh, yeah i mean neither have i i mean it's a game it, there's this whole era of games and strategy games in the UK that just never made it over across the ocean because of their weird little computer systems, uh, especially the Spectrum. And this is this great bunch of this great history that I would love to plug into through emulators, I think, sometime. And this is really, this is a wizard battle game. It's, it's hex-based, and you play cards to cast spells, and you are making your wizard stronger, and you're summoning monsters to fight and defenses. And it's a very simple game to understand i mean you know what you know what your goal is you find the other wizard and you kill him and you summon minions from your very very limited deck because you run out of cards pretty quickly and a lot of it is about you know can how far away can i stay while i still have cards coming do i 
do I burn my cards so I can increase more mana so my spells are more successful? There are all these very small decisions uh, that are instantly understandable once you get through the tutorial and you compare it to other games. Um, it is... It is. I keep going back to as I was playing and thinking of what Rowan was saying about Kingdom a couple of weeks ago, how we talk a lot about all these really big, expansive strategy games full of themes and magic and empires and weapons and research trees and that you know there it really is a space for the very small confined quick playing in and out game that asks you to make strategic and tactical decisions and this is one of those it's no game really goes very long um even like some of the four and eight battle wizard contests I mean, who's your enemy? Who are you fighting? Who do you take down first? Uh, attacks of opportunity and planning on a whole. The map, I'm going to talk about the map design later. I'm not sure it's map design or just map randomness, but there's some special stuff going on there. It's a small game, but there's a lot of value, I think, in it, especially, uh, I mean, I'd like to get a, maybe a 3MA multiplayer clan going and just try to level up my wizard more. Because there's this whole progression stuff. You'll help a wizard and you get a stronger staff that you carry with you through multiplayer. Um, but I really do, I'm with you, Bruce. I really like this. It, it does show its lineage. It does show, um, you know, the Gollop tactical touch, the thing that he's been known for throughout his career. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, one of the things about the game that baffles me a little bit, it, I mean, it's such a it's such a board game. Uh, it it reminds me of a board game that uh, some of our listeners may know or may not called Titan. Um, and that's a, that's a board game from the eighties, but um, it's been republished. It's available today. You can go out and buy it. Uh, it's more complex than in a way than uh, chaos reborn, but it, it revolves around the idea that your character is this, you know, Titan, just like your character in chaos reborn is a wizard. And then, you know, the death of, you have all these creatures that you summon, but the death of your Titan and just like the death of your wizard, that that's the end of the game. And you're the, you are the, that's your sort of your avatar. And if you're killed then the game's over and the, uh, the way that you summon these creatures is different in the two games, but just like the, you know, the, the tactical combat plays out over these hex based maps. Um, I, I really, it really struck me that, um, you know, it seems like chaos reborn is almost a subset of, uh, of Titan in the sense that, uh, you have these creatures that all kind of come out in this, uh, you know, in this order that you determine. There's, it, it's, it's sort of your own. Uh, you have a hand of cards, right? It's not determined by, you know, the terrain or by anything that's gone before in the game. You just have this hand of cards and you start uh, pulling creatures out. And the thing that I found uh, interesting that there was no attempt to to fix this in any kind of. There's no. Um, there's no backstory. There's no lore. Uh, I didn't get a screen full of um, explaining to me that this wizard was born from some kind of, you know, land of, you know, goblins, and that they had they were mad at the, you know, the centaurs, and so that you know they had this battle, and then you had to do the. There's none of that. You just sit down. You have a car hand of cards, cast your spells, and fight. And that, that's that's something that I think people don't really do anymore. Yeah, and. Actually, I think this is one of the things that probably contributed my initial um, sort of bewilderment uh, in the face of this game, because usually I am so used to games that even if they're, they're even if they're kind of boiled down to a uh, simple 
you know, self-contained board game uh, type structure, I'm still used to there being a reason for it, right? Like there has to be like some sort like like there has to be some sort of song and dance to explain like why you're doing the thing you're doing, right? And, and so, ostensible uh, reason. Yeah, right. Not so an like actual reason. No, just something that to give it a little more of like um Oh yeah, no, there's totally a good thematic reason why you're playing this game. You know what I mean? Like why the game works this way. So like look at um for instance Frozen Cortex. Uh, I keep wanting to say Frozen Endzone because that was the original uh, game name. Uh, I was when it was more Frozen of a, Throne. Uh, no, no, Frozen Cortex, uh, which was sort of the robot football game we talked about earlier this year uh, with Ian Hardingham. The Frozen Endzone was the robot football game. Frozen Cortex is the game where you're like some kind of uh, laser spy that shoots things. Nope, that's Frozen Synapse. Oh my God! You're killing me. Everybody... No, no, no. There is no frozen end zone. I, I'm sorry. Like we're off on a tangent. I'm confusing everybody, but I'm confused myself. Frozen end zone was the was was going to be the original game name. They changed it because they discovered people don't like the idea of robot football, so they twisted it to Fro frozen cortex, so that it didn't sound anything like football. Uh, anyway, though, the point is that's a game where once again it's a structure like this. You you each match is you know. Just a few turns long, really. Uh, it's totally self-contained. But in a game like that, and, the, and its predecessor, like Frozen Synapse, there's still a story mode or something that creates some sort of backdrop for everything you're up to. And here, there's no backdrop at all. It's, it's basically like, it really is just a, you know, two, two wizards enter, one wizard leaves uh, kind of game. So it, it was a little, little, um, little off-putting. I'll have to admit, just because, no, at first glance, because I'm just so used to those easy points of entry, that, that sort of, you know, that that intro that's totally tied to a plot and a theme that's like, okay, well, here's what you're doing, here's here's the overall goal. Yeah, um, you want a role-playing explanation. You, yeah. you want to know why the eagle is mad at the lion. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And this is just like, look, just see that wizard over there? Go kick his ass. Uh, which you know, to be honest, probably if if I went to like wizard school or something, that'd probably be all the all, all the reason I need. But it did make it for a, for a little bit. I was a little bit befuddled uh, when I first uh, came in contact with this game. The other thing I want to talk about, though, the way this game structures the idea of luck and probability. Uh, this is it's a little hard to explain, uh, but I feel like most games direct their randomness towards positive outcomes that like where basically if you try to shoot something, you always at least shoot something. You just might not hit it, but the action will at least take place. That thing you're going to try to do, you will always be able to do it. It's outcome is, is, is up for debate here. The game very clearly front and center on every little card, you see a probability and the better the card, usually the lower the probability of a successful cast. And there's things you can do to sort of shift the odds in your favor a little bit. But by and large, like the really good cards are still kind of iffy as to whether or not you'll be able to successfully cast the spell. Uh, you're a bit of a crap wizard, uh, to be honest. Uh, but I found that a little interesting, a little difficult to come to terms with as well. It reminded me of the same problem I have sometimes with um, Blood Bowl, where... Just when the game frames everything in terms of, well, look, you're going to try to do this thing, but chances are it's not going to work at all. I always find that a little bit weird, too, because then it feels like the game is more about, like, 
risk management uh, than it is necessarily about taking positive actions. Does that, does that make sense? It, like, I feel like it's it's the same thing either way. It's it's just like looking at the photo negative version of the way typical tactical games handle randomness. Does, does that make sense? It makes sense, but it's shocking to hear that from someone who plays advanced squad leader. <laughs> no, advanced squad leaders. No, that's perfectly consistent because advanced squad leader, you're like, oh, just pile more fire factors into the just get that number bigger so you 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 have a better chance of a good outcome on the combat resolution table. And you can still you can still miss. Yeah. But at least, but but I think the equivalent the equivalent is in this. It's like everyone just shoots at different targets, and that group fire doesn't even happen, right? Like that that I think would be the equivalent in advanced squad leader of the way this game works. Okay. Um. So, are you talking specifically about? And we should tell our listeners who haven't played the game. Are you talking specifically about when the um, units? when you try to cast a spell and the spell completely fails oh, yeah. or are you just talking about missing like when you swing at somebody and miss because i no no no. I, I i am talking about i am talking about just trying to bring units onto the field right okay so so this is something that people should should know um well troy you explain you haven't we're, we're monopolizing troy explain um, the illusion yeah. and not illusion yeah, there's uh, the, the illusion system's kind of funky. Uh, when you cast a spell, you, you summon a creature onto the field. Most of your combat's going to be done by creatures and not by yourself. You have two options. You can cast a card as an illusion, which is 100% successful, and it works just the same as a regular monster. It has all the same powers and all the same skills, but it can be dismissed uh, from the field by the enemy's uh, disbelief spell. It doesn't get to do anything, it just vanishes, and it's gone. Uh, and they get another spell, and you can only cast usually one spell per turn, but if they cast that and they succeed, they get another, They get to cast another spell. Or you can try to cast the summon the creature, the real creature, some of the real thing from the depths of your phylactery, or wherever, whatever mystical prism pocket uh, wizards haul their summon creatures out of. And the really powerful creatures, you know, hydras and unicorns and dragons uh, and giants, generally they have a 30 to 40% chance of actually coming to life on the field. Often they will not pop up at all. Um, so you have to do little things to shift the odds in your favor. Uh, you can, the field, the battlefield can tilt towards law or chaos. So if it's tilted toward law, the law cards get a few points advantage on their turn. Um, or you can spend mana. You accumulate mana through mana spires uh, and other actions on the field, and you can spend some of that mana to increase your odds from, say, 40% to 60%. So don't think you get much beyond 60% for the really powerful creatures. So there's still a very, very good chance you're going to waste your one spell summoning this huge, awesome creature. So the temptation, of course, is to, well, I will use my, I'll summon illusion unicorns or illusion giants, but then they get dismissed and don't get to see any action because it's often a safe bet that if this works, um, maybe they're just, it's usually a pretty safe bet to throw a disbelief at a powerful creature and take the chance because it takes a while, you can only summon in your immediate area, it takes a while for the creature to get to you, they can't move on their first turn. Uh, so, you know, wasting your spell on, wasting an illusion spell on summoning, summoning a creature out with an illusion, there's a good chance it will be immediately dismissed. So this entire calculation, man, risk man, I mean, risk management is a good way to put it, of 
what will this person do? How do I spend my mana? Do I have the mana to spend? And how do I tilt the odds on the cards in my favor? Uh, different wizards with their staffs will have different powers, different priorities, and different skills for certain types of battlefields. But that requires going through you know, the leveling up process and multiplayer to access uh, that sort of stuff. It has potential to be an interesting metagame, but I wonder how good their matchmaking actually is. Um, I, I think I get what Rob is saying, that you know, it's often when there's a failure in a game, it doesn't look like a total failure. It's like, oh, nice try sort of thing. But a failed wizard is kind of sad. It's just it's a little. It's like Hagrid and his little squibs. You know, it's pretty bad magic out there. Um, so I, I, I think that's what Rob's getting at. Yeah, it just, no, it definitely feels a little bit like Barney Fife, right? Like you're trying to get your gun out, and all the shells fall out of the all, all the shells fall out of the revolver. That's kind of how it feels. Yeah, I think you guys. Are, I, I mean, if you swing and miss at somebody, that's a complete failure. If you try to cast a spell and it fails, then the spell comes down and then it fails. I mean, I, I, I don't really understand the distinction, but OK, I'll grant it to you. I just I think it's completely nuts. Um, but OK. No, I, no. I mean, I, fr- I framed it originally. It is it is irrational. It is it, it is. It, yeah. yeah. Well, OK. Yeah. I, like, yeah, yeah, I am yeah, totally yeah. like I'm totally willing to grant that it's basically the same thing. This is what I meant by it's a photonegative version. They're just expressing outcomes or randomness in a slightly different way, right? Where, like, this is the equivalent of you go to swing a, swing, a, swing and miss, except the axe goes flying out of your hand, you never even swing. That's kind of how it feels. It's like the, the check is to see whether or not the action even takes place. That said, it is, that, is, that is an important point you brought up, Troy, about the illusory creatures, because I think that is really why the system exists, Right is you have to make people be constantly trying to assess did that guy really pull that spell off or is this or or is this an illusion and a lot of times a lot of those better creatures will will appear chances are they're not real at all because they're very hard to bring out but man if they are real and you get it wrong you're in real trouble yeah because you just wasted a disbelief spell and you, that's kind of like missing your and you turn. don't have many of those in your in your deck either so like you've got no, you, you, know, two? you can disbelieve anytime yeah. you want yeah, you, you always have a disbelief spell hmm. but but if you get it but if you're wrong you you miss your turn you don't really have to do anything it's a it's a it's a spell right yeah. so the way disbelief works is that if you cast a disbelieve and it works then it's just a free spell and you get to yeah. con- go about your business but if you cast disbelieve and it doesn't work so that you've cast it on a yeah. creature that's real that's your spell Okay. Yeah, you just t- took your turn. You're done, and that's kind of important um, because you d- you don't get a lot of actions in a turn. You get to move your creatures, have your creatures do their actions. You can move your wizard around, and your wizard can mount unicorns and pegasuses or pegasi, 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 and elephants, and you know, can ride them around. You can give your wizard bows and swords and make him Gandalf. It's all kind of great, but he's only got a couple of actions. You can cast a spell, he can move, he can attack, and your creatures can move and attack. Um, and you generally don't have a lot of creatures on the field at any one time. They're kind of fragile, uh, which is good because the battlefields are get really, really crowded. Uh, they're kind of small because uh, they want you to get in there and start smacking goblins around. Um, so so losing that spell, that's, you know, that's one less creature you can bring on, one less defense, like a magic forest or tangles or blobs you can bring onto the field to protect you. So casting that disbelief is 
it's something you'll kind of have to do a few times a game uh, because, like as I said, illusory creatures, they can still hurt you. It's not like they're they're not pretend creatures. They're I I'm not even sure what the magical term for them would be. So um, I got to tell you, so the, yeah. here's the thing. It's like the Star Trek episode where they all went to that Wild West. But if you didn't believe that you got shot, then you weren't dead. That's kind of how it is. OK, I'm glad we cleared that up. So, uh, <laughs> I was I was racking my brain. Actually, that sounds like a great episode. I've never seen it. it. Doesn't ring a bell. It's original series. Okay, the only real Star Trek there is. Um, so, <laughs> oh, but there's so much to this game, though, that you know. I think you know it's hard to think about making a game like this because it it seems to me as soon as you start doing this. You've got so many balance issues and, mm. you know, you have to, you not only have to balance the units, you, I mean, I'm sure that the size of the uh, battlefields is not, you know, it's not a mistake or I'm not mistaken. It's not, it's not an accident that those maps are as big as they are, right? Yeah. You need to have enough room to maneuver, but enough, uh, you know, they have to be compact enough so that you're not moving units around. You have to have this pacing, right? So that, you know, uh, that you're you're going to be able to do something each turn rather than just move, right? Just moving, just moving your units is boring, right? So you need to have enough room to maneuver, but still get in uh, into combat pretty quickly and have things can kind of continue to move. Um, you have all these different combinations, right? I mean, you have a different a bunch of different cards. You know, the there are uh, you know for the listeners, uh, they should understand that there are. Um, there are different classes of units. So undead, you can't uh, you can't um, uh, kill an undead except with uh, with magic weapons. Um, and the, the paladin has magic. It's, there's all sorts of and paladin strikes back. I mean, everything is it's 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 a really I could see how you could have a uh, an iteration of the builds, right? So you're you're you you've made the game. You've made the, and by the way, we should uh, we should credit this properly. This is snapshot games. Um, that made this um julian currently lives in and has for some time as i understand lives in bulgaria in sofia bulgaria so uh he has a team of bulgarians that are uh, snapshot games and uh they've done an interesting job with the artwork but um but i can just see how as they iterated the game he would say you know oh you know that unit that, that's just way too tough you know you've got to mm. tone down one of its abilities or you got to make it cost more or things like that and uh i mean i can imagine how once you release a game like this you you hope that you've actually got a balanced game because like there's no there's nothing that makes a simple game more unattractive than some strategy that quickly becomes evident that there's no counter for it mm. Well, and especially this being a computer game, like it's a bit like a few acres of snow, right? Where that game is perfect if you absolutely never played it online and it was always you're setting it up with your friend, you play it for an hour, hour and a half. Uh, it would take you ages to ever realize, uh, at least without researching extensively online, right? That there that, that there were ways to basically just break that game. Uh, but here, you're going to be able you to mean run the original this. version. Yeah. Not yeah. the new version. Right. But, but here... You're going to run this game again and again and again and again, and any little flaws were will quickly become apparent. On the other hand, that probably made it a little easier to test as well. But it is really remarkable playing this game how um 
how like how fitted together everything is, right? Like every like all these systems we're talking about, we're talking about them uh, you know, separately, but they're all so intimately connected uh that it's there there isn't there isn't any slack in this in in this design right like absolutely everything is is sort of tugging on on a on a different mechanic a different element of this game uh and and so everything has to sort of be like when you're making when you're making decisions you're kind of looking at all of these things at once because they're they're all affecting each other it's not like you're dealing with one part of the game and then another they're all pretty tied together the tutorial does a great job of bringing all of that out. The tutorial, which I think is one of the best tutorials I've seen, even if it's a simple strategy game, I probably could have figured it out anyway. But it's a great tutorial because it starts you with, okay, here are the basics of summoning creatures. Wonderful. Then, next step, here's a new mechanic that seems completely different and as you would not, it was completely disabled in the previous step, but it makes the game a little bit deeper. Then you do that. And then you do this six or seven times until you have this actually kind of deep and clever card game. You're realizing you're actually, it's taking you longer to decide which cards to play because you understand all of the mechanics because they're all woven together so neatly and so tightly. Um, and I really want to give the team praise for making a tutorial that is you know, interesting because it's just dueling um, and also very clear, very short and very clearly explains every single important mechanic. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's very... <coughs> It's not a big project to really understand how the game works. And then the, the learning part of the game is as you play it over and over, you start using different cards in different combinations and uh, start using the sort of mega spells that they have. Um, you know, each, each, uh, each player has a mega spell that costs much, much, much more mana than uh, any of the individual cards. And, uh, you know, they, you can, you can, like you said, there's a, this magic forest where you can, uh, catch, cast a forest where you can hide. There are, um, there are spells that summon a bunch of different creatures, some giants, uh, all sorts of stuff. And then, you know, you can, uh, you can use these in combinations with other things. Um, it's just, uh, it's just a nonstop kind of, oh, look at this card. I wonder what would happen if I, you know, cast on this. And you can put together all these cool combinations, but in the end, you're at the mercy of the dice. And so that's the part of the game that, uh, you know, I have no problem with probability. I have no problem with you telling me I have a 90% chance of doing this. I have a 95, I have a 99% chance of killing you. And then I roll double zero and I miss. That's fine. I mean, it's, it's frustrating, but games can be frustrating. What really doesn't, I don't like though, is I don't like the fact that it doesn't tell me what my role was. So, and I think that that's important, right? I mean, it's sure it's, it's, uh, I think there's a psychological aspect to that, right? I mean, if you're. Ah, uh, so this is, this is going to be your irrational hangout. No, it's not completely irrational because I, yes, I, I, I agree <laughs> that it's this sort of, but, but the difference is that you make certain decisions in the game in which you can change the probability. And so what you want to know is whether the change in probability was effective or not. So if I have a 60% chance of casting a spell and I spend a whole bunch of mana, because you can spend mana 
to improve your uh, chances of success. Now there's a there's a limit. You can you can't um, you can't increase beyond a certain point. But you spend your mana to make that spell chance seventy five when it was sixty. I'd like to know: Did I roll one to fifty nine, or, or what, did I roll one to sixty? Did I roll sixty one to seventy five, or did I roll over seventy five? And I I think that that's something that uh, that's feedback that. I don't understand why the game doesn't provide. See, I don't understand why that matters. I, I like this. I, I don't get it, actually, because to me, I don't I don't need to know if that use of probability was effective. I, I just know, like, look, I, I just fell into that 25 percent uh, gap that I'd left. Uh, and so, yeah, that that never bothered me at all. And usually and believe me, because it's feedback on a game. So I'm making a game decision whether or not to do a certain thing. And I'd like to know whether the thing that I did was meaning was a meaningful decision that I made or not. Mm. Because I think that's an I think that's an integral part of gaming, right? You're you want the player to be. I mean, if if you want to say that it doesn't matter, I mean, you can you can extend that to the whole game, right? I mean, what does it matter if I win the game? Why am no, I even no, playing? No, no, no. Right? It's entertainment, right? No, we don't need to be that reductive, though. I like I, but I just don't like. I am saying. That I am, I am perfect, and believe me, I am someone who is so quick to feel morally wronged by a game. Uh, like usually, I get really pissed uh, when, when I feel like the odds are, are odds are screwing me over. But this is a case where, for me, it's like okay. So I had a two and three chance of succeeding with that with that spell cast. I spent a ton of my mana points to turn it into a three and four chance. I don't really need to know like i i guess i just i don't really need to know like what the role was uh because i don't it it just it doesn't feel like what i bought what i bought was the odds what i bought was the improved odds i'm not buying an improved number i'm just changing my odds of an outcome and so for me it's like i go to a casino and i slightly tweak the odds on a bet but it doesn't change you know what i mean that's that's kind of how it felt for me right but so I guess what I'm saying is in a casino, I mean, yes, that's 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 true. In a casino, there's a real world sort of benefit to that. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that when you design a game, your goal is to uh, to involve the player in the game and in his decisions, his or her decisions. And if I say, okay, I have a 60% chance of this succeeding, and I do it, and it fails, then I know that I fell into that 40%. But if you then tell me that I can make a decision that changes the probability from what the base probability was, and I can make the decision whether to do it or not to do it, and then you don't tell me what the outcome was, so let's say I don't do it, and let's say I rolled a 61, then I think, oh, I should have, you know, played the, played the, uh, the increased mana. Now, that's not that doesn't change the facts, but it it gives you feedback on a decision that you've made in the game, which therefore I think makes you more connected to the game than you would be otherwise. I think otherwise it kind of feels like throwing sort of you know stones into a lake and just they just kind of disappear and then that's it. Uh, and I think that that's something you don't want to do in a game. Now, uh, you know, you can argue that that doesn't really matter, and I think you know for you it doesn't matter. But I think that as a game design principle, that when it, 
for me, if I were a game designer, which I'm not, but if, if I were designing games, I would want the players to get feedback on every decision they made. But that would be the reason that I would do it. But I understand you don't care. Uh, you just you say I changed the odds and I still failed and fine. And, and, and the game clearly agrees with you because it won't even tell you what that role was. It just tells you success or failure. Yeah, see, I mean, I mean, I think for me, if I if that's going to become a decision, I, I view it as so. I've, I've been getting back into D and D, oddly enough, and and I'm playing a bard. God help me! Oh, uh, God. This, in D and D, yeah, you're playing D and D when? Lately, these days, I've gone back. I've gone back, uh, and so I'm, I, you know, I'm old enough and secure enough in myself now to play a bard. Never was before, but I can do it finally. Barkeep, um, please avast that mead. Exactly, uh, but uh, but I have to, you know, but I but I imagine a loot uh, in the background of that as well. Uh, but anyway, like one of the abilities I have is I can add a d6 to anyone's attack roll, uh, but they can do it at will, and so they see their roll, and then say they're off by five, and then they decide, okay, do I want to do I want to burn this d6 this 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 thing? Do I want to take the chance and use this use this power? Uh, once I do it, it'll be gone. Is, is that good enough? That's like that's kind of like for me that decision makes sense because then it's like okay, I ha I have this ability to skew the outcome, but it is a conscious choice to spend it. I have to now choose like now I get to see what the original role was without it, and now I get to decide whether I want to push myself, you know, push my luck, uh, try tr try to you know maybe throw good odds after bad. Uh, that makes sense to me, but yeah, I but as far as the way it works in this game, it, it doesn't really bother me. It just you know, yeah, the odds, the odds were still against me. The odds, the odds didn't work out. So it's, it's just, it, it's just odd. I still think, I still think, Bruce, basically that um, your hang up. I, I don't think, I don't think feedback is, I, I don't, I don't think the game's denying you important feedback. Uh, in this case, this, this still sounds to me a little bit uh like it belongs in Rob Zachney's irrational hang ups, uh about <laughs> about Chaos Reborn, uh. So which do you think which do you think is is more uh, more reasonable that complaint or wanting to know uh, why the centaur and or actually there are no centaurs why the eagle and the uh, lion are fighting I think you really got to know about the uh, I I really need to know why the why the eagle and the lion are fighting like that's that's like is this is this a race war is this political like yeah it's just these are these are too many questions uh yeah so here's the here's the other thing though with all these, you know, th there's all these systems uh, going on just to decide what you're allowed to sort of bring onto the battlefield and introduce there. Once you've got some guys out there on the battlefield, you have a pretty damn good uh, claustrophobic uh, tactical game uh, a yeah. as well. Uh, and, and, and Troy, I think you, you and I had a, had a pretty knockdown drag out fight. Yeah, it kind of went both ways. I mean, I was, um, I was outmanning you with people and then you threw down you retreated threw down this tanglewood forest that took i could not chop through because my guys kept swinging and missing and swinging and missing yeah i was and in you, deep trouble and i just built basically the great wall of china like in a turn and because this is this is is a duel so it's like it's like t t t t 10 paces everyone's really close there's enough room to get away for a bit but not for too long he so he had to throw up a wall then you teleported to a mana spire that I couldn't get to for some reason. I, I saw it there, but I just couldn't get my guy over there for some reason. That gave you more mana, and then you teleported to the other side of the map, just when I was trying to close in on you, 
and you built yourself back up and eventually and your paladin was wreaking some havoc and i really do like um the broken field nature the very tight broken field nature of the maps um they are clearly designed to be generated like this. There are different levels. I think there are up to three levels you can be on, and the archers are better the higher up they are, and you're, a little, you're better defended from archers if you're up and they're down. Um, there are flying creatures, and you know there are mana spires to collect, which give you free mana, which is wonderful. Uh, and the problem is getting to them. And it is... You, know, you, you can form choke points. You can you know give your... Uh, wizard a magic bow, put him up on a ledge, give him a phalanx of strong defensive units, and just take pot shots at stuff. Because the ba- the battle maps may let you do that if you have the cards that go along with it. I mean I had a for I had a forest one that I clicked wrong, so I just generated one tree instead of the five trees, because I was an idiot. I kinda um, wonder why okay. Yeah, that was just me. That was just me clicking too fast. That's why I just plopped that one tree down there instead of, you know, five trees to stop your paladin from coming along and slapping goblins uh, into next week. Uh, so I really do. I, I really enjoyed our game. It was it was very fast, um, but you know we were we, we we tried pretty much everything. We were magic weapons and disbelieving spells and failing to summon hydras three times. Uh, tipping the battlefield more towards chaos because I had some chaos monsters I wanted to bring out. Um, and I, th- I think, um, as Bruce said earlier, that the tightness of the map forces these sorts of things. You can't run forever. Um, you're, f- you're forced to be in this small space. It is this cage match of magic. Um, and the addition of levels and crevices and you know trees you can't walk through yeah, it's a very broken up map. Uh, it's it's a it's a small arena, but it's actually even more complicated than it, than it first appears because you have all of these really steep like plateaus, um, you know, little single sing, single hex wide like passes through the uh, through the hills. It's it, it's a really it's really dense terrain. And you can since you can only summon creatures in the hexes immediately around you. If you can get an enemy wizard cornered. Uh, they can't summon anything really well yeah. because they're cutting off the hexes. So they have to find a way to escape, either through a teleport spell or they luck out and kill one of your monsters and can escape that way. So there's, you know, using the map itself as an offensive weapon to prevent your opponent from using what magic they do have left. Bruce, how have you, how have you enjoyed the, uh, the, the monster squad leader game that you're playing in this, uh, in, in Chaos Reborn? Um, you know, it's interesting because um, I have to say that a little bit of I maybe I've become too used to um, sort of coherent or consistent theming, um, <laughs> but uh, sort of the 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 disconnect between all the creatures is a little uh, bothered me a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. Like, you know what. What is, you know, I have some of this, you know, weird, uh, this weird Hydra thing, and then I've got a goblin, and then, oh, there's an eagle. But I think that that's, I mean, the the thing that, that bothered me a little bit more um, was I wish that there were just some way, and I, I guess there is if you play ranked games, but I wish there were more way to sort of, um, 
you know, had more stats about uh, how many guys you killed and how many swings. It sort of, I don't know if you, do you play any Memoir 44 online or have you? Uh, I've played a very little I have, bit. I have yeah. in the past. So, you know, that just gives you, you know, how many, uh, you know, how many hits you rolled and what your what your luck was and what your dice and that's that's yeah. part of the thing that I think it would just it would make the game the games are very ephemeral that's that's the I guess that's the, my biggest uh, my biggest complaint about them is that um, you know I was playing a couple games and um, I was playing them online they were asynchronous games and I guess I lost one and won the other because they both disappeared um, I was playing a team game uh, against two people and. Um, we uh my teammate killed one of the uh, opponents and then it was me and my teammate against another player and all of a sudden the game was gone and then i was playing against uh, i mean when you lose does does the game just go away um i never saw myself get killed it, the game was just gone so um you know obviously when hmm. you win you see you you see yeah. yourself kill the other player but so I, I just feel like there's not enough permanence to the game in mm -hmm. in um in the individual instances yeah um, i'd like to see more more sort of um more feedback in in terms of how well i did versus how well my opponent did uh how many spells failed how many of his spells failed how many illusions were on the board that would be great to know you yeah. know how so i just feel like the the um the thing that that has sort of advanced in this kind of this kind of game. I mean, I think there's always going to be a place for it. This very board game like um, board game like mechanic, uh, very what, what I would call spare mechanic gaming. Um, but I think that the, the advancement that's happened in gaming over the past you know decade or two, and especially in the last you know five or ten years, is that we really are now kind of a gaming culture of achievements. And I think that that has spilled over into giving players a lot of um, sort of metadata about their games. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I feel like that doesn't happen here. And I'd really love to see it happen. And I'm sure that that's something that uh, Julian and the team could do. I just think that they need to feel that it's important. And I guess, uh, you know, the fact that they don't disclose the die rolls means that there's they have some philosophical difference about this. I'd, I'd love to know what that is. Um, but I, I don't, I think that we are in a space now where players expect this and I, I kind of expect it because, because I can, because I can't, right. I mean, there's, there's no good reason, uh, from a technical standpoint to deny me the information. So it must be from a philosophical standpoint. And I'd love to have that philosophical debate with somebody that is, that is responsible for making that decision in this game. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, Bruce. I mean, I really like. I would love to have a, a breakdown of the match. I mean, you just got a victor screen and a countdown clock telling you when the game is going to be disconnected or whatever. Um, a full yeah, match would, replay would be nice too. Just let it play out yeah, in in sequence, so you can relive yeah. the entire thing turn by turn. Yeah, and I'd love to have a, a illusion reveals. So oh, if only I'd known. You know, it's that's it goes back to the. I mean, that's back to your your die rolling thing. I'm kind of with Rob. Would make a whole lot of difference. But where it does make a difference is in your recollection of the game and the story you tell. And that's why the dice things are important. And that's why the knowing where the illusions are is important. Oh, if only 
that that I can see the reason for that. So I can see the reason being that. So the philosophical, if I want to yeah. play devil's advocate on that, that is, you know, if I get away with casting a whole bunch of illusions that you never, uh, that you never pick up as being illusions, then I'm going to want to do that in the next game. And if that gets revealed at the end of my game, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, uh, you know, I now he knows that next game I'm I'm going to be playing a bunch of illusions, and you're you're going to be more likely to cast a whole bunch of disbelief spells. So. For players that are playing in a certain style, I can see how uh, how not giving uh, that hidden information away is important. So that's I, I don't know. I think this game. I'm not sure. I mean, I like I, I would like to have. I, mean, I like to have that sort of stuff revealed because then it would encourage people. It would remind people to use a disbelief spell. It would encourage. It would encourage better play and encourage people to mix up their tactics, uh, I think. Um, well, I think encouraging better play is if you keep losing, then you can change your tactics. But uh, I think, uh, oh, by the way, I just want to point out to you guys that if you go to the wizard training window, and I completely missed this because it's not my kind of thing, but uh, gosh, you know, I, I should have. I, I should have been more careful. If you go to wizard training, there's a button that says chaos lore. And oh my goodness, the journal of the gifted one by Alan Stroud. Now we have, I have 10 different entries in, in uh, the gifted one's journal and we can read them. Uh, and they're all here. Wait, I totally missed this. Yeah. Wait, this, there's a lore download in there. Oh yeah. Oh my God. So I can discover why the Eagle and the unicorn are no longer friends. Well, we can probably try to find all that stuff. Why is the why is the archmage and is so hostile to the adept? I agree. I agree that there's that there's that there's probably an issue in there somewhere. Yeah. Um. My my question is I guess my my question my fear is, is that do do you think there's that much of a place for games like this on the PC? I mean, I, clearly there is. Like, it looks like Armello is doing very very well. It's a similar sort of thing. It's a self contained uh, board game type thing. But I just feel like so much of what we've been conditioned to expect in the PC, like tactical and strategy space are sort of like we were talking about the beginning of the show. We're used to these big experiences, right? With like long campaigns. And if it's fundamentally driven by tactical battles, there's some sort of overarching like metagame uh, that, that, that you're, you're dealing with between missions. Uh, something that tells a story or, or, or gives you like different scenarios to, to play around with really like chaos reborn is, is, is all about, Go play this game against other people. Play variants of this game against other people, but but it's it's it is a board game. You 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 break it out with friends, with strangers, whatever, and 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 that's the whole that's that's the whole shebang. And I really enjoyed it, but I know from just my day to day habits, I just generally don't play games like this all that much, and I kind of wonder like. Am I the weirdo in this? Am I just someone who's been way over-conditioned by years and years of, like, fairly solitary PC gaming? Uh, did, did either of you, like, do either of you perhaps, like, share those feelings a little bit? Uh, well, I guess I think that um, once upon a time, I would have, was, you know, I was dying for games like this on the PC. I mean, I was, I was a big advocate of very uh, simple mechanic-type games. And then the iPad came out. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, are you more likely to play a game like this on the iPad? 
or are you or do you think that these kind of game just has no place in digital? I think I think, I think no no no. I don't think, I think they have their place obviously. But I just kind of feel like in the PC at least like there's a like the expectations are different. Yeah, I think on the iPad the expectations are a little shifted. I think people like generally I think a lot more people have warmed up to asynchronous like board game type play uh, you know in the iPad whereas like on the PC you kind of expect you know something maybe a little more like XCOM. I don't know. What do you think, Troy? I think I would play this on the iPad, but would any, but would anybody pay twenty dollars for it on the iPad? Uh, no. And that's kind of uh, the difference here. I think um, this is um, you could you could certainly do this simpler, maybe for less money, and then try to get it on an iPad. But it certainly is the type of game that would I think do quite well uh, in the mobile space. But this isn't a game that I think. I mean, I would like to play more multiplayer. But this is just the kind of game that you would just. It's a distraction. It's a light trifle. Um, I would probably love play it more than I would Ar- Ar- Armello, uh, which can quite which can drag on uh, quite a bit. Um, I do like how short and clear this is. I mean, I, I don't even think this belongs in the same discussion as an XCOM type thing. This is kind of like a card game. Yeah. It's, like a, it, 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 it's a card dueling game. It just takes place Six in a tactical space. Yeah. I just, will say, I will say this game, and this is very much a compliment. This game reminded me a lot of Gwent. Uh, from The Witcher Three, uh, which is one of my <laughs> games of the year, uh, but that that wait, whole wait. like limited hand thing. Witcher Three or Gwent is your game of the year? Uh, both actually. Witcher Three, awesome game, but the game within the game is also pretty fantastic. I'll have to look up Gwent. Oh my god, that's how I'm going to get Witcher Three on this podcast. Oh, I just figured out how I'm going to backdoor that entire game onto a strategy game podcast. So just, but but tell me about this idea of trifle because i'm not sure i get quite what you're saying there i think that might have just been an ill-chosen word myself yeah i mean try for like like a small dessert mm, not, yeah, not I, like more 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 than nothing it's a it's a small game or a meaningless game but it's tasty it's something you consume quickly it's 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 a quick hit yeah i, I think it's the game itself cons- is very meaty Yes, but, uh, but, but, but it's a, but it's a it's a game you consume quickly. It's a dessert type thing, uh, though there's quite a bit of there. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in it, yeah. but you don't have to pay a lot of attention to all of it. I mean, I'm probably worrying about nothing because I disagree with that. I mean, I think that it. So, I mean, I think you can lose a, a simple board game very very quickly when you're not paying attention, right? Okay. I mean, yes, so that yes. so okay. I I don't simple games don't mean that you can't pay attention to them. I mean, that you can simple mean games actually mean that if you don't pay attention to them, you're paying opponents paying attention to them, they're going to lose very fast. Okay. So, okay. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a very demanding game. But I think I get what Troy means in that so many of us, so many of us have been conditioned to... Like, the vast majority of games I'm asked to review, the things I have to play, you know, that are strategy or tactics, they aren't things you sit down, you play a complete game in 15 minutes that doesn't happen in my day-to-day story you know what i mean that that i think is what what's different i think that's what maybe makes it seem like sort of a fun light dessert because it's something that doesn't ask you to commit like you know 10 hours over the course of the next month or so to to come you know to complete one like moderately sized campaign it's it's sort of self-contained i think that's the difference but the game itself i think is is because of all that because of everything we brought up earlier, how interdependent all the systems are, it is very dense. It is it is very meaty. Uh, it's getting really positive reviews uh, across the board. So clearly, that, that's good. Uh, you know, critics uh, are are reacting to it and they're sort of accepting it on its own terms and and really having a lot of fun with it. Um, 
yeah, as 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 we wind the show down, uh, and sorry if it's a little abridged tonight, but uh, I I screwed up my leg just literally just before we uh, started recording, and it's starting to really really bug me. Uh, <laughs> Poor thing. Let's uh, talk about recommendations uh, with this game. Uh, so where 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 do we all come down? Uh, you know, should should this should everyone be lining up to play this? I don't think they need to line up unless there's some kind of weird uh, resource uh, shortage. Imagine we imagine a world of scarcity. Steam keys are going fast. Yeah, um, I think that. Uh, I mean, I would definitely recommend it. I think that there's. I think that a couple things that we haven't talked about that I want to just quickly mention. Um, I, I'm 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 confused by the by the um, the multiplayer. The way you have to type in like game IDs. Yeah, that was not well done. Yeah, I think they could do things a little more smoothly than they have. Um, but uh, but in, in general, I mean, I would absolutely recommend it. I think that it's a simple game that you can sit down, you can learn pretty quickly. Um, it's not uh, it's not mechanically frustrating. The the odds will sometimes and, and frustrate. And that's part. I mean, that's part of the enjoyment is to have unlikely things happen. Um I would, I definitely uh, think it's something that I would, I would like to. I mean, I mean, I'll. This is one of those uh, Steam games that I'll always, I'll always have installed because, um, because it's so easy to sit down and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll often have multiplayer games going. What do you think, Troy? Yeah, if, yeah. If you've got twenty dollars to spend, I would certainly recommend you pick up Chaos Reborn. It is. Um, it's a classic. Uh, it's, it's a throwback to classic game design. Um, it's the kind of stuff you don't see a whole lot of anymore in most spaces. And it it does. It is the art is great. The maps are rewarding. The challenge is fun, and you can sit down and play it very very quickly. Um, I I would highly recommend Chaos Reward. Yep. Yep. Uh, I like it quite a bit myself. Uh, I think it's probably. I would especially recommend it if you've got a friend who's also interested in it. You you go in on it together. I think that's that's yeah. probably the ideal way to enjoy it. You can you you can match made into the uh, the, the multiplayer community, and that's chances are how mo- you'll play most of your games. But it is a lot of fun to sort of be going you know toe to toe, wizard to wizard. Uh, if if you know uh, you know who's who's in the, who's on the other end of that fight. Uh, so I definitely recommend uh, maybe going in on it with a friend. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a very cool, very different uh, tactical game, and uh, really, really unusually tightly designed uh, and, and demanding. Uh, you know, compared to a, a lot of games that I, that I played in the space. So uh, yeah, I like it quite a bit. And that is twenty dollars on Steam right now. Uh, anyway, that will do it for this week's episode of Three Moves Ahead, which is produced by Michael Hermes and hosted by the Idle Thumbs Network. Uh, you can learn more about the show or discuss this episode with our community by visiting our website at threemovesahead.net. And this episode, once again, was brought to you uh, at the behest of our pa- Patreon backers. Uh, Three Moves Ahead has a has a Patreon now, and you can uh, sort of you can contribute to the show and uh, help support it by going to uh, Patreon.com/slash3ma. Uh, we're up to about a thousand dollars right now, so two thirds of the way to our first uh, to our to our first milestone goal, uh, at which point we start doing an extra episode uh, every every month. Uh, and I just have to say, I've been really sort of uh, you know touched by how many people have have uh, voted with their dollars to support the show. Uh, it's really heartening to see how many people appreciate Three Moves Ahead, and uh, I'm glad that we've made so many of you proud. So that's my. 
that's that's my Thanksgiving message uh, for 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 our, for our uh, three moves ahead listeners. We'll be back next week with another edition of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, this is Rob Zachney saying good night. Good night, all. Good night, everybody. <laughs>